0: Atena tato katoa e hui mai nei itene ata. Greetings to all of you who have gathered here this morning. Haere mai and welcome to the Learn's What's the Plan stand field trip. Uh, before we get underway, we'll begin with a karakia. Una hia te po te po. Oh my, mana. From here to aot aotatitanga. Tata Kirunga, tata rāro, tata Ahoi. Homie, hui te taki. I'm Andrew, the Learns Trip teacher, and I'm joined by Cass from the Bay of Plenty Emergency Management. So Cass is our expert, and we'll get him to introduce himself in just a moment. Uh, We're at Matata School again, and we've just had the shakeout, and it was really neat. All the students were enthusiastic, keen to show that they could do their drop, cover, and hold, and they did it really well. And then we had our Tsunami Hikoi, to the nearest high ground, and it was a really good event. Not a very big school, so not as many students to organize, but um, you know, it's an important event. But we actually also had fun doing it, and I hope that you guys have done your shakeout as well and are better prepared. Uh, should an earthquake strike, I've also got we had big stan, so little stan was very excited to see big stan at the shakeout event. Eddie, Eddie feel of course, the Learns Ambassador, and Tiaki from St. Joseph's Catholic School in Allporta Key. Uh, so, yeah, so like I say, we've got Cass from Bayer Emergency Management. Tell us about your role with, uh, with the Bayer Plenty Emergency Management Office, Cass.
1: Uh, thank you. So, morning, um, everybody. And my name's is Cass, with a Z. Cass with Z. a Z. Well, I've got That's okay. Four
0: daughters with all Z's in the name, so I'll remember that.
1: Uh, So, my role is around capability development in uh, normal times. So, it's about getting a whole bunch of people who are not used to solid events and training in solid events. And it's bringing around uh, making the base into better understanding the hazards and giving us some skills to work and build the base. So that's the basic role that I now do, and then when a response happens, I become a, a manager or a, a a bit more important, bit more important role, and just help people out and give them a bit more clear direction on what we need to do. That's the basics.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that your job description is quite lengthy, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, you know, we spent the first day, of course, of the field trip looking at. Uh, earthquakes or sorry tsunami Ye- yesterday on the day two we were looking at earthquakes and we covered a lot of the science so this this is more about um a web conference this morning is more about you know your your preparation and uh looking at how you prepare for the impacts of a natural hazard emergency so um and you've been with the office for five years.
1: Been with the office for five years. What
0: what got you interested in this line of work?
1: Do you know what the probably one of the key things is, when I was growing up, mm. my parents were civil defence responders, mm-hmm. so it was a little bit different back in the day where there was an emergency and they all got together go around the back of the truck and they did rescue. People. So I've always been involved in that environment, and there was an opportunity to come up to help. Grow people's capability in that area, and I, I jumped at the opportunity to support um, the community of the bay.
0: It's really good because you know we need we need people that are keen to to be in that role, um, and Absolutely. and have an interest in and in not only being part of the community but but doing something positive. And it's um, it, do you, I guess there's some real challenges when it comes to getting messaging out there and making sure people do have the message. Some people get the incorrect message, I assume, Absolutely. as well. How do you, what what sort of ways you, you know, in, ensure you're getting the right sort of message out there and people are actually understanding it?
1: There's a lot of work that goes on preparation phase uh, that's outside of an emergency, and that's around educating the community mm. in their hazards, understanding what the environment looks like to them and then how would we communicate to them if there was an event to occur. And there are many different platforms that you can look at. Uh, you can go to the Bay, of think Silver Defence web uh, page and it has uh, get ready and it talks all about the things you need to look at and identify and then the ways that we would also communicate and alert you to what are the potential um, hazards or the events or the communication that we can get out there. So there's lots of things. It's not just we're going to magically turn up one day and tell you how it's done. We've got lots of plans and, and things in the pipeline to educate before, during, and then after an event.
0: Because the thing is, with civil defence, um, it's not set up to necessarily help people in an event, is it? Is it, you know, like it's what I mean is, it's really important that people understand the impacts of a natural hazard emergency and prepare. Because it, there's no guarantee that yes. somebody's going to be, be able to come in and rescue you. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. So the first thing we always look at is you have to be yourself, mm. And that's you and your family making your household rules. Or if you're at school, you've got a, a school plan. Um, or if it's in your work environment, you've got a pain Because reality is we, we, all the other members, responders, will not be able to get here roads may be blocked um, mm. maybe power lines down whatever that might look like so we need to have something that we can do to look after ourselves and that's where that understanding that you know, emergency um bags or grab and go bags are really come into play
0: yeah and another thing we're going to look at as well as you know some just some seemingly simple stuff called fix and fasten but so just making sure that you've got things around the home that aren't going to topple over in an earthquake and that sort of thing
1: I'll just jump in. Um, one of the things as a kid we're always taught was to, if there was an emergency, we had a safe place to go to. So mm. I'm a lot older than I was during, uh, since then. And it's were 30, 30 plus years ago that I still remember the location and I still remember the phone number of that place. And so that's what my parents sort of drilled into me. Is we, we had to understand our plan if there was an emergency. And that's really important because people might not be able to help in that
0: first six hours or so. And plans change as well, so it's good to review things. You know, you might, uh, all sorts of things could change physically or socially within your whānau, and so um, it's a good idea to review your emergency plans and make the changes where necessary.
1: Absolutely, and the perfect time to do so is around daylight savings. Um, They always talk about uh, checking batteries of your of your uh, smoke alarm, and so check, check your household emergency plan, check your grab-and-go bag.
0: Um, check if
1: you've got any food that's been stored for your emergency grab-and-go bag, check that it hasn't expired. All um, your contacts, make sure that those numbers all work. And really go through the, that at Daylight Savings is a really good opportunity. Just get it done. Mm. Yeah, OK, so there's some questions that have been popped into the chat.
0: Um, How's that sound coming through now, Barry? It's better. Yep. Better, yeah. So I've put one in there, number one. Why do we need to practice drop, cover, and hold? Isn't it easier just to remember it? Uh,
1: no, it's not, actually, um, because a lot of people don't know what it actually feels like in there's that heightened sense of anxiety or stress when, you, when it really happens. And if you haven't practiced that, you may not be familiar with what to do. So it's really about ensuring we've practiced and we're familiar. So when it does happen, uh, it's almost second nature.
0: I've highlighted that point this week a couple of times because uh, I experienced the September 2010 earthquake in Christchurch the first such event I've ever experienced. And I had no idea what to do, Kaz. And I freaked out. I ended up standing in a doorway, not very successfully, because that was just something that came into my memory, yeah, yeah. which probably wasn't the right thing to do. Uh, but but when the February 22nd one of 2012, well, I think I got the dates of 2010, and then the 2011 one, and I was in the city, because I... I'd had that experience, but I'd also practiced, Mm. and I knew, and I did it instantly. I dropped, covered, and hold, and it was instant. And it was because
1: I'd practiced it; I didn't have to think about it. So it's perfect. And also, uh, when you do drop, you you are looking for that safe place. Mm. Uh, Sometimes, you know, if you think about it, you think, "Oh well, there will be a safe place um, around me," but it's not always the case. You actually have to quickly identify. Is there a strong table where I can go and grab hold of the legs? Definitely stay clear of those doorways for today. But I think back in the old days, that was a point that was mentioned. Mm. Um, but you have just got to have a quick little practice, get comfortable with your surroundings, know what, know where to go, drop cover and hold. Uh, I, I can't recommend practice enough.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's like anything, isn't it? If you're going to get good at something. You need to practice it. Yeah. Um, what's the difference between a a grab-and-go bag and an emergency kit.
1: Yeah, grab-and-go bag is that quick that quick grab. It, it, it explains it in, what, in its uh, name. It's got stuff that you can just walk in or let's say there's an event here and I need to get something quickly. I don't have time to, to go through the house and get all of my bits and pieces. It's just get, get the bag, grab-and-go, and get out of here. Mm. Uh, it's going to have... It's more like that rapid response, that instantaneous thing, we need to get out fast. Whereas an emergency, the larger kits are going to take a little more time and resource and effort to move um, and identify, uh, identifying where they are. And would they be something that you would have,
0: because there's obviously the different impacts. So you might have to evacuate. So that's when your grab-and-go bags going to come in handy. But you might also be stuck at home. And so that's maybe when the emergency supplies will come in. And-
1: yeah, yeah. So what I rock at home is I've got two things. I've got my grab-and-go, and then I've got my uh, emergency kit, which has a bit more long-term stuff in it. Yeah. So the grab-and-go is the initial phase. It's going to get you through the next 24 to 48 hours. You're going to be comfortable. Uh, you're going to have some things in there that are going to help you survive. And then once that is depleted, or your, some of your resources may be used, you need to have a little bit more. And what I have at home is a big tub. It's not an emergency, that's just the um, morning tea. Morning mouth. tea. <laughs> so I've got a big big tub, and that tub is full of uh, emergency supplies um, and, and some medication and stuff, um, first aid kits, over and above Watson and grab and go there. So it's just a little bit bigger. Uh, if we look at it in reality, grab and go is at instant, the other one's longer. But sometimes when we have a long-term event, we're going to have things in our pantry that are going to be useful anyway. Mm. We're going to have clothing from our drawers, wet weather gears, gun boots, whatever that we may need. So it's dependent on the event. Mm. But having things like a grab-and-go in your car, you know, how often are we traveling? How often you and your family traveling? All the time. Yep. Sometimes there's an event. Let's have a quick little bag in there that's going to help us or somebody else out. Yeah, that's been my new learning this week is that we're pretty good at home with what
0: we've got set up absolutely but i don't have anything in the car apart from something to change this tire change a wheel so it's really made me think maybe we should just have something in there just in case
1: i I, I really recommend it um you know a, a torch a radio you can um the wind up radio and torch, really good opportunity to to hear or receive some information if your car breaks down. Um, if there's an event, if there's an earthquake while you're out and about, you're going to get information related to it. So it's really important to have something on you. Uh, at your school, it's really good as well to have things set up at your school. Mm. It's not just about home. Because you might be, might have to start school. And yeah, you could be there. there was a, There was
0: a fire at my kids' school yesterday and they all had to evacuate onto the field. And then uh, they all had to stay, and it was about 20 past three by the time they were able to leave, just to make sure everyone was accounted for. Uh, So there's a question here, what should you cook on if there is no electricity? Is a gas barbecue okay? Or a portable camp cooker? Is is gas the best thing to use? Because we're assuming here that there'd be no power,
1: perhaps? Yeah, there's no power. (laughs) You've got two options. You've got gas and you've got fire. Uh, Both come with obvious um, safety concerns. So if it's safe to use, um, if you're in an environment where there's not going to be any more earthquakes, it's not an earthquake event, you're not going to be worried about uh, cooking gas or or, or fires where it's not going to be disrupted. If you're in a high winds event, you're not going to be wanting to cook with either, rule because you you just can't trust the safety of So it's, it's more relation to um, safety as opposed to uh, they are both good options. Gas is really really good for barbecues. They're small campers um, I have in my garage, a little camper with those little canisters, mm. really useful if uh, we have no power.
0: And the water's a big one too, isn't it? So um, you know you need to. There's so many liters per person per day for so many days. Yes, yes.
1: So you need to have a supply of water. Yep. Year in, year out, uh, every daylight savings, top it up um, or, or replace it. And uh, it does go off after mm. time. So there are a couple of pills you can put in there and or some, a little bit of chlorine, just a little teaspoon mm. of chlorine and it'll keep it good for that year, seal it up nice and tight. But if you don't have water, another option is to uh, fill up your bath um, out of your mains water supply. Put a plug in, and you have a little bit of water for say 100 litres or so from your from your main supply. What's the What's the sort of literage per person per day that you need to try and think about having in stock? Uh, I'm I'm rolling with around three litres per person per day. Oh, okay, well it's not a lot. Not a lot, but you've got a small family, a solo mother who's got uh, two kids. Um, she's carrying the grab-and-go bag, emergency oh, backpack. I see. So yeah. if you- to take that water is of course every liter of water weighs a kilogram so it does does add up yeah it does add up so we're hoping that people can survive for at least three days but we really want to be self-sufficient for seven days so you add that three liters per day times seven and you're looking at a significant amount of water per person
0: and another question here what's the most practical food to have on hand
1: in the days after an emergency? Uh, Yeah, most practical. It's a really interesting one because you could debate uh, sugar content um, versus high GI, low GI, but really good to have is a a muesli bar because it doesn't perish. Food that's non-perishable that you can store. Um, I know that two-minute noodles are horrible for your health, but they will survive a good length of time. Canned food as well, again, survives for a couple of years so I think it's just the flavor sachets that has yeah. <laughs> got the, um, the bad stuff in it yeah so things that you can carry things that will survive non-perishable um but that's where you got to focus your attention perhaps the flavors aren't going to be great yeah I think when you're hungry it doesn't matter yeah
0: doesn't really matter. okay well that's good so um we're pretty much at the end of our web conference now Barry Any other questions you're thinking about? Oh, just one I was going to type. Um, Is it hard to get people thinking about emergencies
1: like um, earthquakes and tsunami when there's a global pandemic? Mm. It's a great question. And getting people to think about emergencies is is tough regardless because the the mindset's been around. It's never going to happen, will never happen in my Mm. time. But unfortunately, it is happening in our time, and we are becoming more aware of more incidents. Um, there's a bit of fatigue from the uh, COVID response, mm. but there's also an opportunity in a lot of regions that they want to know more because of this. How can we be prepared? Um, how can we make sure that we don't respond the way we did when, this, when COVID started? Do we have the plans in place? Have we identified the carers for our kids if we can't get home? All those things, people are having those conversations. So there is a small window of opportunity here that I think we're, we're trying to capitalise on. Um, but it, it's a, a, a balancing act because people are fatigued. People have had enough of COVID. Um, people have had enough of Ficardi, the Cadi event. Uh, it's all just relating. Mm. Yeah, and I can kind of see we want to just we want to imagine that it's all going to be okay. Yeah, absolutely, we, we all do. We think it just doesn't happen, but it's, it's, a, it's a changing environment. Yeah,
0: I think when you've been in an event, like, you know, having gone through the Christchurch earthquake events, you know, it, it's unfortunate that it took that for me to then bring me round to the preparation way of thinking. So I guess, yeah, don't, don't wait. Don't wait for something to happen.
1: Yeah, so the key thing I would say here is uh, the Get Ready website, um, getready.govt.nz is the place to go. That's where you're going to get all the things you need to know about getting yourself prepared, your family prepared, your work prepared, your school prepared, um, it even has fun interactive games for for the youth mm. to play. Yeah, really engages them to check it out. Um, but what you could walk away with that is some confidence that you and your whanau have a plan in place. And that if there was to be another event, you would at least be ready.
0: Has there, have we learned anything from the pandemic?
1: Oh, so much, so much. Uh, I can go really technical, but I would give you a couple of basics. We've learned how to nationally communicate efficiently. And so when there's an order given from the government that it's been enacted on the ground. And I, I would say that that probably hasn't been there in the past. And so mm. we're supporting our community better based on this pandemic. Yeah. But it's really taught us a couple of things because we couldn't, we couldn't work face-to-face. We had to all work um, from mm. a computer. And so it was a lot of phone calls and we could manage it really well, but we had to figure out how could we do that. Yeah. It took a little bit, but we, we definitely improved in that communication, so.
0: Well, really interesting stuff. Thanks so much, Kaz, for your time this morning. No worries. And um, if you're listening watching the recording of this web conference make sure you go onto the website if you haven't checked out the, the background readings and, and the quizzes associated with those have a look at the videos you can check out what the ambassadors have been up to and the recordings from the other web conferences and also you can experience the field trips through the google earth tour so um that brings our web conference to an end. Thanks for listening. Kaki Teanu.